The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. All right, all right. Welcome, everybody. Um, welcome to how to write cold emails that prospects can't ignore. Um, we're going to give it a few minutes for people to jump on in, but while you're coming in, go ahead and let us know where you're calling in from in the chat. Um, I'm in Detroit, Michigan, and Devin, you're in uh, San Francisco, right? Yep, in the Bay Area, in the East Bay, for folks that are familiar. Nice, nice. Uh, we always see a couple Michigan people on here, so it's cool. Let us know. If you're in Michigan, let me know in all caps. I'm over here in Detroit. Um, but while we're waiting for people to jump on in, uh, Devin, I'm curious, what is your favorite copywriting book and why? I got it ready for you because you did prep me, which I appreciate the <laughs> best. But okay, so I get asked this question the most. You know, like influencers always like, I know everyone's been asking, but like no one's actually been asking that question. They just want to give the answer. This yeah. is the one question I actually get every time I check my inbox, my like LinkedIn DMs. So the books, uh, there's two books I always recommend. So for strictly writing, Everybody Writes by Anne Hadley is by far the best book because if you're a junior or new, it's going to give you like, it's going to like paint a picture for like all the things you didn't see. You know what I mean? You're like, oh my God, it all makes more sense now. I didn't realize it was so nuanced. And even if you've been around the block a couple of times, like I have, uh, it just inspires. I, I was telling you right before, like every time I read this, even like three pages, my writing is better the next time I pick up a pen. So everybody writes by far best, probably 20, 25 bucks that you'll spend. It'll live on your bookshelf forever. Hell yeah. I read that one as well, I think like a year ago. Um, but yeah, check it out. I think uh, you should be able to grab the link in the comments as well to grab that book. But cool, we have a 30-minute show today. A lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to get through these next few slides pretty quick. Um, today's speaker, uh, my name is Jed Marley. I'm the head of op on sales over at Mailshake. I'm super excited to be here with Devin Reed today. Um, learned a lot from his newsletter, his LinkedIn profile. I'm sure you guys are familiar, but we're going to be talking all things copywriting and just in general how to write better cold emails. Um, real quick, if you didn't know, Sell Better actually does these shows every single day. Um, so go ahead and scan that QR code, check out the website. I like to check it once a week and just see what upcoming shows uh, are coming up to see which ones I want to join. Um, also, for only $1 a day, $1 a day, you can become a member. Um, my entire team is on the membership portal. And what I really like about it is you can go ahead and put in like a specific keyword. So let's say copywriting, and it'll give you specific content uh, related to that exact keyword, like basically a crash course on anything related to sales. Um, and lastly, you can also do more hands-on training with the Sell, uh, sell Better team. So again, check out the website, scan the QR code, um, get yourself some of that uh, free stuff. Um, also wanted to say thank you to our partners. So thank you, Gong and Sendoso for making these shows possible. Again, thank you, Gong and Sendoso. Um, Sendoso has a free gift for everybody on today's show a little bit later, so stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, I just found out right before I joined, they got a free little gift. That's really cool. <laughs> Do I get a free gift? I want the free gift. If you grab the late, you definitely can. If you okay. Your email. You know how it goes. <laughs> you know how it goes. Yeah. The, the good old social contract. The, uh, the email. Um, cool. Uh, let us know. Um, I'm going to throw up a poll real quick. Uh, let us know who is in the room. Are you an SDR? Are you an AE? Are you a manager? Um, it's always good to know who is in the room so we can kind of cater what we're talking about to you guys. Um, and while we're waiting for that poll, we're going to go ahead and go through the agenda. Um, so we're going to spend most of our time on number three, which is what I think most people want to hear from anyways, which is actionable frameworks and screenshots of the things that Devin and I have both received and written and, and, and kind of like the frameworks that we work on. Um, but first, we're going to talk about why copywriting is something every sales rep should embrace, just why it's important in our own personal stories for how we started kind of learning copywriting. Um, then we're going to talk about the actual things that we did to get better at copywriting, give you some like, you know, 
practices that you can use on your own. And then lastly, like I mentioned, we're going to go through the frameworks, the, the, you know, screenshots and the things that we're using for our own cold emails and copywriting in general. Um, before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and end this poll and share the results. Uh, no surprise here, Devin, mostly SDRs and AEs make sense. Um, but cool. Alrighty. Um, let's jump right in, Devin, just to kind of kick things off. Um, let me know why is copywriting important to you? How does it help you as a salesperson? And what did you start doing to like actually get better at copywriting uh, to begin with? Yeah, yeah. It started. Uh, it started back in the day. Uh, you know, so but it did start back in the day. So it was my first sales job. Uh, I slipped and fell into sales, like a lot of folks, you know, tend to do. And uh, I didn't know a damn thing, but I was super hungry and motivated. And so we had this. Uh, it was it was back in the day. You had to punch the phone that, like numbers on the phone. And we had a, we didn't even have Salesforce yet. So you had to like manually enter every activity, uh, in this like homegrown CRM. So I, I like remember walking up to my desk that morning. I'm like, I'm going to get a hundred outbound activities today. I'm going to make a hundred total calls, hundred total emails and see if I can book, uh, any, any meetings. Cause we were a full cycle AE, but you had to book all of your own meetings. You had no pipeline help from marketing. So I'm, I'm slamming through my day, you know, sending emails, sending emails, hitting the phones. And at the end of the day, I like hold up my laptop to my manager and I was like, check it out, hundred touches. And he was like, cool. Did you get any meetings? No, but I got a hundred touches. Isn't that, isn't that cool? And so he's like, dude, what, what's going on here? So he goes and talks to my director and I can see him like down the hall a little bit, like looking at the computer, looking at me. And I thought that was a wrap. I was like, oh, they're just going to like call me into a conference room, take my laptop away. And you know, it's been a good, been a good run. I'll be on my way. And so my director pulls me into a room and he's like, all right, man, you're truly, you're like, you're clearly putting in the effort, but like, let's go through some of your emails together. And so he starts reading a couple out loud to me and he goes, did you go to school to be a lawyer or some shit? I was like, no, I went to school to be an English teacher though. He's like, oh, dude, that's what it is. He's like, you have like a lawyer. This is boring. No one's going to read this. And I was like, oh, okay. And so he was like, I want you to be the Devin you are with me in this room. The Devin you are at the pod with the team and the Devin you are at the bar, but like only when you've only had one drink. I was like, all right, cool. He's like, be who you really are. And that will come through in your emails and that will get people to respond. And so that was the aha moment for me of like, one, I don't need to try too hard. I don't need to be super corporate. And two, this is going to be something that's with me for a long time. Because if my director is taking the time to sit me down and tell me this is important, this is something that I should definitely focus on. So that's how it kind of all got started. And then ever since then, throughout my six years in sales, I realized how often I'm writing, I'm writing cold prospecting emails, I'm writing proposals, I'm writing slacks internally. And like, how often have we all had that moment where you get this, you know, reply, maybe a prospect, maybe a meeting, uh, you know, maybe in a deal and you like crowdsource what you should say back with your manager or jet, you know, like how high pressure that email feels. So I realized I wanted to be great at it. I want to be a great writer and that will help me close more deals, which it ended up, uh, ended up doing. Yeah, I think you touched on internal writing too, which is something I didn't even think about. I think that's a big thing that helped me get promoted is like knowing how to communicate via email and Slack in an effective way and not just write on like tons of paragraphs. Um, yep. My story was similar to like when I became an SDR. Well, first off, I was like an SDR apprentice. So I wasn't even a full-time SDR. I had like a six-month contract to prove myself. And I only got promoted because I dialed the hell out of the phone. Yeah. And so I just made more calls than everybody else. So then when I got into the role, I was struggling because like, I could hit quota every now and then, but I was super inconsistent because all I could do was dial the phone. And yeah. so that's when I started to learn copywriting as well and trying to get better at cold email. Nice. Um, and most of the things I did was just like basically going on LinkedIn, trying to rewrite templates that I saw 
um, like listening to podcasts, yeah. whatnot, but like, what were some of the things that you did to actually get better at copywriting and start improving your, your emails? Yeah. Yeah. We can pull up the side. I think there's a few ideas on there. It, it's not that yeah. sexy, to be honest. It's very straightforward. It's the same stuff as like exercising. We all know what we have to do. So the number one thing I would say is, is just, you have to read and write every day, writing specifically every day. We all read every day because we're reading emails or reading the slide right now. Um, but the truth is when you spend 15 minutes or so every single day writing, it just has to be focused. It's not, oh, I'll write Slack. You know, I'll respond to people on Slack for 15 minutes. That's not the same. This is intentional writing, whether you're, you know, trying to get like one point across, right? So it could be journaling. Um, for me, it's usually LinkedIn posts because you get a lot of benefit out of the writing process, but also you get a lot of feedback, right? You get comments, you can kind of see that sort of thing. So the thing I just did was just practice a ton, read a bunch of great writing, read people that are better than you and then put it into practice immediately. And to your point, it's okay to start kind of like not copying the ideas, but you can copy, uh, you know, templates, you can copy frameworks, you can copy structure and you just put in your own thoughts and style into it. And over time you start to realize, okay, great. This is my voice. This is how I like to write. And you kind of, you know, you just get better and refine over time. Yeah. I think you mentioned it in a pre-call. I don't know if you still remember it. I meant to ask you, but you, you mentioned there's like three stages to kind of getting better at copywriting or just in general from your own experience. Do you remember what those like kind of like thoughts about word? I remember it vaguely. Maybe you can help me put it back. But basically I was kind of like, there's like, you're really bad at first if, if I'm, because that's usually where I start things uh, for me. So like your first stage is like, you're not good and that's okay. And you don't really know what you don't know. You're just sort of figuring it out. And so you copy a lot, right? And and again, I'm not saying like plagiarize. I'm saying you just like, you need a lot of inspiration, a lot of input, a lot of coaching. Uh, the second phase is you start to get better at it. Your writing is faster. You're more effective. You started seeing some success. Uh, and then the third phase is usually you're just really, you know, you're, you're good at it. And it becomes one of your core skills, which again, something I've done, but it took took a couple of years to do. And it doesn't mean it will take you years if you're listening to this, like, oh, geez, it's a multi-years thing. Yeah. But think of it as like selling takes you years to get great at it, right? takes you years to be really good at writing. So I would, I like the, that kind of three approach because identify where you are and be honest with yourself and then go, great, here's what I got to do to get better. Yeah. We actually have a poll for that. I was supposed to ask it before that, but go ahead and throw out the poll. <laughs> I want to see for everybody here, like, where do you think you're at on that kind of stage, right? Like, do you, are you still kind of starting off just copying templates, that sort of thing? Are you, or are you at the point where you're starting to actually understand why these different frameworks work? Um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the easiest things you can do, especially if you're at that first stage, is literally go into LinkedIn and just type in the hashtag like cold email or whatever, and then just take those templates and rewrite them for your own and then start to study like, why does this one work? Oh, it works because they started with a relevant question or it works because they're not using I, me, they're using you language, they're talking about the right. prospect or it works because they're not talking about features. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a big one. And looking at the results here, it looks like it's a good mix of people, people in nice. stages. Love it. Uh, but yeah, no, that's awesome to see. Um, cool. Devin, I want to share, um, your kind of five steps to writing good cold emails. I know you've talked about this in a lot of podcasts, uh, yep. webinars, that sort of thing, but kind of give us the rundown here. Um, you know, just give us a lay down from, from one to five, sure. kind of where this comes from. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, again, I realized like truth be told, I hate cold calling, uh, not, not even just because of the awkwardness of interrupting somebody. I just it didn't get enough of a hit rate. Like, you know what I mean? To make like a hundred dials and get like three people to pick up was just like, damn, there has to be a better way. And I was a better, uh, writer, you know, than I was a cold caller from having more experience with it in my life. So I just started figuring out, Hey, you know, throwing everything at the wall of the ones that work, why do they work? 
right? Of the ones that you, you know, to your point on LinkedIn, they get a bunch of, you know, that are successful. I was really intentional trying to figure out why, how can I dissect this and recreate it? So the first thing, uh, these are five steps for writing a great sales email, specifically cold, and we'll, we'll, we'll come cover some nuance here. Um, the first is attention grabbing subject line. We've all heard it before. What does that really mean? There's, there's two ways you can do it. There's really three, but I don't really recommend the third. I can get inside if you want, but the, t- the two that I teach are either, uh, incite curiosity, which is use the mystery subject line, or you want to tease value, which is the benefit subject line. So what you're trying what you have to imagine is every time someone checks their inbox, unless they're very diligent about inbox zero is you're, there's a wall of text that they're looking at, right? From sender name and subject line and so on. Yours needs to stand out and be different. And so the things that are going to grab attention are things that incite curiosity, right? So there's some, one I've used that worked really well was I found it exclamation point. Mm. What it does is it forces the reader to ask a question found what, what are you talking about? Click to open. Now, when you use the mystery subject line, you have to deliver on that mystery ASAP. Like you cannot wait till line seven to be like, oh, by the way, here's what I found. Cause it's like kind of a bait and switch feel. So, you know, uh, one of the kind of examples running with that was like, you know, Hey, if you're, you know, if you've ever run a, you know, a pipeline review and you ask a question and 10 people are looking through different spreadsheets only for someone to finally shout, I found it this, you know, you can, you can tail into like why I'm reaching out. Right. So I'm being specific with the, with the scenario there. The benefit one is kind of exactly what it sounds like, which like, you know, Jed, if I was reaching out to you, I might say, you know, uh, you know, three ways to spike your LinkedIn engagement overnight. I know you care about LinkedIn. Everyone on LinkedIn wants more engagement. If you're a creator overnight makes it seem fast and simple. So you're going to click it to go. What are those three ways? Again, I have to deliver those three things. I can't tease, you know, can't, can't then swap in a pitch and go want to meet and get those three things. Right. It's not going to work. Uh, I'll, I'll pause there. See if you or anyone else has any kind of thoughts. We can go further if you like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's good. And we can always go through the Q and A. And by the way, if you're listening right now, um, if you see the Q and A button, we might miss it. If you put it in the chat, but go ahead and put all your questions in the Q and A and then upvote the ones that you want to hear the most. We'll make sure to get to the ones that are upvoted. Um, but no, I love those too. So yeah, create mystery and then kind of like the benefits out of things. Yep. Um, a few of the things that I like for subject lines as well, is just trying to make it not look like a marketing email. So yep. almost intentionally boring or just using lowercase. Um, those are some things that work for me. Or if you're really like trying to figure out what to do, just take the core of what your email is about and write that in like two or three words. So we, like a MailShake, we sell a cold email software. So we might say increase reply rates, all lowercase. Um, it just looks, it looks a little bit boring. But again, if you look at any sort of marketing email you get in your inbox, um, they're all exciting. They have explanation marks and maybe emojis and that sort of thing. And I'm trying to do the opposite of that. Yeah. Make it look like it's an internal email. Well, I love you said do the opposite of that. By the way, can you hear the rain on my, my head? No, I can. It's raining over here as well. Oh, okay. hopefully, hopefully you can't. I like that you looked around your house. I'm like, we're in a different city, <laughs> dude. Uh, but yeah, it's dumping and there was a window right here. So sorry if folks can hear it. Um, what you said is, is do the opposite, right? Which is like, this is this kind of like philosophy I have, which is do the uh, unexpected. Yeah. So to your point, every marketing email is uh, capital, not all caps, but like every word is capitalized, right? I'd like to do sentence case because what I'm trying to think of is if I was really writing to Jed as a friend, I would write in sentence case, maybe all, maybe all lower caps. That's fine too. I wouldn't write 
and you know and and all caps i wouldn't throw an emoji in there for sure and so I'm just trying to do things that are more subtle to your point and more casual because that's what people are going to click on. You want to avoid things that look and smell like marketing or look and smell like sales. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, literally just look at the, like your promotions tab and, and do the opposite of that pretty much. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but talk to us about the, the personalized hook as well. So you, you just mentioned like, yeah. um, the subject lines and I guess like one way of doing the personalized hook is creating mystery and then starting with that. Um, but I feel like the, the personalized hook and then connecting that to, to like your value prop and the rest of the email is probably the hardest part for most STRs. Yeah. And I have some ideas on that as well, but kind of what are your, what are your tips for that? Yeah. So the, 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 per, there's kind of two camps and I put personalized, but you can also do highly relevant and I'll break that down in a second. So first of all, oh. and we can light it up in the chat, light it up in the chat if you think it's nonsense, but I think personalization at scale is bullshit. I don't believe it. I'll take because you cannot make you cannot one you don't have the time to truly do personalization now personalization real quick is it only applies to the person you're talking to it has to be jed which by the way i thought your name was jed marl it's marley marley, uh, marley like bob marley Mar oh marley that's a cool I've got okay a linkedin uh speaker thing for that but yeah beautiful <laughs> i need to click it so anyway so you know if i'm writing to jed it has to be you know, you know the first line or whatever personalization is only to jed yeah if your you know colleague read it and applied to them it's not personalized but it might be relevant so what you're trying to do on the personalized and this is usually your tier one accounts your tier one prospects is you're saying something personalized that only applies to them for tier two accounts or maybe like i don't know i'm a director maybe you do maybe i'm in your tier two of like you know if you're trying to sell to clary right it's okay to send a highly relevant one which is like all head of content or directors of marketing in B2B SaaS, maybe it applies really well, right? So you have some options there. But the the point of the personalized hook is, Jed, when you read it, it's like, oh, wow, this person knows about me. Has done the research is really a better way, has prepared. You don't want to go too creepy and check out like, hey, saw saw your two-year-old played a basketball game last night and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, that's too personal. It's too much. But the point is you want to stand out, grab their attention because like, oh, wow, this is different, right? Most I don't have any data for my personal inbox because so I don't count it, but I would say 99% are not personalized and like 80% are not even relevant. So keep that, keep that kind of in mind. And then the connective tissue is how you take that, that exit ramp from why you to why Clary or why Mailshake, whatever that reason is. So that's the connective tissue because too often someone's like, Hey, Devin, saw your big Warriors fan in the sneakerhead. I have the Air Jordan ones on right now we do staffing and recruiting at da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, what is happening right now? Like I'm getting pitch slapped. And so that's what that connective tissue avoids is it's that, it's that connector between why you, the personalization or relevance, and then now why I'm presenting a solution or hopefully a problem first. Yeah. And, and speaking of the connective tissue, I'll, I'll share my own example as well. Like I remember being an SDR and trying to do that, like saying like, oh, I'm wearing the Jordan ones right now. And then just sitting there for 10 minutes, trying to figure out how I can get <laughs> In a clever way, I'm like, this right. is not it. This is not, I can't do this every single time. So I stopped doing that. And and kind of what I've done now is just, I segment leads before putting them into a campaign. So I guess what that means is like, the first thing I do is like, if, if I'm reaching out to Devin at a director level, I'm looking at what are the top three pains that usually this person cares about. And so that comes from actually doing deep research, trying to like research your prospects and figure out what are their top pain points. Um, and then what are some like relevant triggers I can find from the outside? So, um, Devin, you just mentioned you're hiring somebody, right? Like that's something that I can segment a bunch of other directors of content or whatnot, put them into a list, core right. hiring. I can find 20 
people just like Devin who are hiring and then send them a relevant email. And it makes a connective tissue really easy because then it's like yeah. Devin saw you're hiring XYZ. Typically when you scale, you run into these problems. This is how we help with that. And you're not like trying to figure out a clever way of connecting Air Jordans to, you know, cold email mm-hmm. software. It, and, and to your point and to AJ, you got a good point is like, I think personalization, like the, the, the pendulum swung really hard towards personalization, right? Like hyper personalization. Yeah. And I think it's swinging back to, to your point, which is like, I don't have a phrase for it, but it's like mass hyper relevance, which is your point. It's, it's finding triggers and finding reasons to, and ways to connect it to your offer. That's what we're, yeah. that's where we're moving now. And so it's really, uh, and I like your approach a lot more because I get like, it, yeah, it feels fake. Like, cause he went to Sac state. Like, dude, I don't care that, you know, I went to Sac state, like a million people went through those doors. Like who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't really mean much. So I think it's more, it's easier. And I think a little bit more effective to just be like, Hey, I know about you. You're hiring. We work with other folks with this problem. And if you can sprinkle some air Jordan magic or whatever your flavor is, you know, great. Cause again, that'll help you stand out. Yeah. I want to, I'm actually going to skip ahead real quick to the air Jordan point. Um, I saw this data from, uh, from Lavender recently, um, about how using a PS in your emails can boost the reply rate. Um, oh, I've cool. done this myself. They, they actually have data on it now, which is really cool. I always thought like, for sure the PSs are helping with my reply rates, but yeah. that's where I would put a PS, right? Like if you're also like a big sneakerhead, I would say, Hey, PS, whatever. I, I'm not a sneakerhead, so I don't even know what I would say, but <laughs> get the point, right? That's where you put the, uh, the yeah. personalization that you can't connect. And this is kind of an example here, but. Um, put a one in the chat if y'all are using PSs um, and a two if you're not, but um, I don't know. Have you ever, I, do you get emails of PSs in yours, uh, Devin? I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, I was going to say PSer, but that's a weird thing. I don't even know what that means. Uh, big on the PS camp. Uh, and you've seen it before, actually, because I, I remember you called it out, which was funny because it was a test we had done, which was uh, you can sneak additional information in there or get ahead of objections. And so I was promoting uh, one of a podcast I had, had hosted. And I was like, dang, this is a great episode. I think it was with Chris Voss, uh, the negotiator, but it was like 45 minutes. And so I'm like, dang, I need to make a way for this to be easier for my listener. And so I said, PS, you know, something's effective. You know, if you're short on time, jump to 812. That's the like most game changing tactic I've ever heard in my life. And you screenshot it and send it back and like on the sec on the post. And you were like, dude, this is awesome. I jumped to this part and I actually end up listening to the whole thing. So it's like, you can use that little PS line to pull people in. Uh, like I said, get ahead of objections, add some flavor. Uh, so yeah, big on, big on the PS. Yeah, for sure. I like using that as well for like a, a lot of people might use competitive software. So calling that out on the PS, like, Hey PS, you might already be using XYZ. Here's how we plug in with them or whatnot. But yeah, um, yeah just like you said, handling objections ahead of time. Uh, we're going to move along. This is a kind of a email framework that I like to use, very similar to Devin's. I think both work, but this is just an example of mine. Um, first line, I like to just put context. What's the problem or the context of why I'm reaching out? What's that trigger? Uh, the second line or sentence is my value prop. So how we solve that with social proof. And then the last line is call to action. Um, and I think this is kind of a good example of following that yeah. framework. Yeah. Find context, value prop with social proof. But Devin, looks like this was a LinkedIn DM you got. Yes. Yeah. This was from Derek over at Beehive. Uh, and so I, I had, we had chatted back and forth a little bit, you know, over, over some months, but, uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't say friends, no offense, Derek, you know, we're, we're friends now, but at the, t- at the time, you know, kind of knew each other. And so he sent me this, this note. And I, again, I get a lot of DMs, like a lot of emails and this one jumped out really quick. And so he said, Hey, my dude, which I thought was already pretty funny. Cause like, it's just casual, but if you know me, you know, I, that, that actually works really well. 
Uh, also notice the gra grammatical mistake. There's no <laughs> capitalize in the first sent uh, first word of the sentence, which again kind of stands out. But at this rate, if you read "Hey my dude," "Hey my dude," and then "is" is not capitalized, you could be like, "There's no way. This is not professional. I would never do this." But he's so persuasive and compelling with his writing that it overrides and actually it actually helps his email. So. Is your newsletter reader or Clary's? I have one. I also run it for you know Clary's email program or a part of it. Um, is it growing as fast as you'd like it to? The answer is no. I always want more growth. Everything everyone knows like email newsletter growth is always top of mind. So he hits hits it right on the head. Like the number one priority for that channel. And then he said, "We've seen unbelievable growth for newsletters at Beehive. Introducing a solution." Here's the really good part though. Built by the same people that took Morning Brew from zero to 3.5 million. Most people have heard of Morning Brew. I have it in my inbox and I don't even think I'll ever get to 3.5 million if I do, fantastic. But it's such a big number where I'm like, dang, that's a huge transformation. Truly, I can ride some of that, right? And get a lot of growth. So conveyed a lot of benefits, injects credibility. And then I like that he didn't ask, do you have 30 minutes on Thursday? to talk he just said is this worth chatting like is it you know before i even get to that is this like something even on your radar and so it took a whole you know eight seconds or less to read uh and then i ended up getting back to him taking a call and I actually started my trial last night so it's working oh so no that's awesome I, it's cool that this can fit in a linkedin dm and still be effective i think it still goes to show that you can still pitch if done in the right way on linkedin um We've got five minutes left, so we're going to go over a couple of Q&As and one last thing I want to share. But like I mentioned earlier, we have that Sendoso free gift, so we'll drop it in the chat right now. Um, you can go ahead and grab free access to Sendoso. They have a new part of their product called Sendoso Express, so make sure to check that out. All it costs is your email address, and you can start using it for free. So go ahead and grab that in the mm -hmm. chat. Um, but one thing you touched on in your framework, Devin, was using a compelling offer. Um, yeah. And this is something that's been working really well for my team. Part of what we do is we help with cold email deliverability. So helping you get out of spam and seeing if you're in spam. Mm -hmm. And so instead of asking for time or asking for interest, we're simply asking, hey, do you want a free assessment of your deliverability? So we're providing the value upfront as our call to action. And this has helped us get a ton of responses because people want the free value. They don't even have to take a meeting. They'll get a free deliverability assessment. And then we just follow up after saying, hey, would you be open to a more in-depth call where we can help you even more? Mm -hmm. um, another version of this is just saying, hey, if it's interesting, can I send you a one-minute video? But this is kind of an example. And I think in most cases, um, you know, another really obvious one is if I, if I sold data, for example, I could give people free access to the data beforehand. Hey, do you want to run a side-by-side -side data test with your current provider? Uh, but think of ways to like use your product and the knowledge you already have to create offer-based call to actions. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that a lot. Someone else did something similar, which was like similar approach was like, uh, do you want me to make a video and send it? Cause it was like some sort of video tool, um, like for Clary. And I was like, cool. If you want to show me like basically a free demo, like an, you know, a demo I can take on my own and you want to do some work up front, I'll take a look. Uh, it's an easier yes for me than it is to, to dedicate time. Yeah. Cause you're probably, I mean, you already have like your goal set and like the priorities that you're focusing on. So if somebody kind of reaches out, it's a it's a much lower friction ask and maybe it's not a fit right now but at least they kind of have that in so they can follow up with you in three six months and kind of get that meeting you know around that time yeah absolutely um cool let's jump into some of the q a's um i'm gonna go through the most upvoted ones okay so this one from gregory austin got a ton of upvotes 
Uh, how do you project value in a subject line or body of the email without sounding salesy and getting deleted? I'll put that Good question. We kind of we kind of talked about it earlier, which was like the benefit statement. So I think um, here, here's a reason. Why, here's my hot take on why no one believe no one trusts marketing. Marketing is never wrong, and by that I mean it's always you know five out of five dentists recommend or we're number one and we're perfect. Like it's perfect, right? There's never anything wrong with the product. And so that's what most like promotional things that feel spammy and promotional, they're too embellished. They're fake. It sounds, yeah, thanks G. I'm calling you G now, Gregory. G knows it's marketing lies. It's exaggeration. It's bullshit. And people can smell that. So if you just tame it down a little bit, like three ways to spike engagement was my example for, for Jed, you know, three ways to spike LinkedIn engagement overnight. You could cut the overnight if that feels a little exaggerate, you know, a little embellishment, which it is on purpose. But the point is like, you know, growing fast enough, question mark. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know, you know, like little things like that. And I, I often will do two, three, maybe four letter subject lines with a question mark. And what it does is again, it forces it to go, yeah, I don't know. Am I hiring quickly enough? Am I growing fast enough? Um, you know, I don't know if Jed sent me an email, like, are you, you know, are your, is your best prospecting ending up in spam? Something like that. Like, and I'm going off the cuff, you know, you could shorten it. That doesn't sound spammy to me at all. It sounds like you know me a little bit and it's intriguing. Yeah, I think it's a good answer. Um, there's like five questions on chat GBT in here. So I'm just gonna, and we've got one minute. So I'm gonna combine it into one question and just ask you, Devin, do you have any opinions on AI as it relates to copywriting, cold email? Have you used it? Yeah. Where are you at with that? And then we'll wrap it up. I've I've played with it and I was, you know, as everyone overwhelmed by how much people were talking about it. So I wanted to check it out. Um, can it be helpful? Yes. Here's, here's my big warning. Your strongest skill and your ability as a human being is your ability to think and to think critically. If you are using chat GPT to replace your thinking, you are actively putting yourself out of a career, not a job, a career. You're saying I'm going to make a robot be my head, might be my brain now. That's a bad place to be. But if you already have a brain and you know how to use it, you practice. All you have to do is say, all right, I have some ideas. Can you help me think faster? Can you help me maybe come up with 10 ideas when I had five, right? And that's totally fine, right? It's like, uh, I was reading uh, Hoffman, he was like, it's amplified intelligence, not just artificial intelligence. So think of ways to make your writing better or faster, but be cautious of, I'll just, you know, plug in a lazy outline, get a blog and post that, or, you know, do less thinking or, you know, ask ChatGPT to write me 10 LinkedIn posts in the voice of Jed uh, Marley and see how it goes. Good stuff. Well, cool. Good answer. That puts us at exactly 1.30. So thanks everybody for joining. Devin, appreciate it, man. I think we covered a lot of good stuff in a super short amount of time. Likewise, man. It was fun. Uh, make sure you follow Jed on LinkedIn. We both have newsletters. You can check it out uh, if you if you want to nerd out and get uh, become a stronger writer. So thanks everyone for hanging and uh, I'll holler at you later. Good stuff. See you guys.